0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buchholz, and this is episode 124, Understanding the Basics of Publishing, coming to you on Thursday, January 31st, 2019. A friend of mine was just asking me a few days ago about the basics of publishing. Her father has written a novel, and he's beginning to send it out to publishers, and Some of the things that she was hearing from him gave her some concern because she's a business person who works in a more kind of traditional corporate environment, which, even though most uh, publishing companies probably are corporations, they just run differently. And so, uh, to somebody who's completely unfamiliar with the inner workings or the outer workings, sometimes it can look like uh, maybe the potential author is going to be taken advantage of, not taken care of. Now, the things that she and I talked about mostly revolved around time and money, but I thought I would just give you the answers that I gave her so that if you don't know that much about traditional publishing and what is um, kind of an okay, normal way of doing business versus how would you know if you are being taken advantage of, I thought maybe I would just put this out there so that you or maybe some friends of yours who are interested um, could have some sort of basis for beginning to make decisions about who they might want to work with. Okay, so basically there are two main types of publishing at the beginning of 2019, and that is traditional publishing, a company who has already been doing this for a while is going to do all of the work of publishing your book for you and paying you royalties, and independent publishing or self-publishing. So indie publishing is... um, the word that a lot of people say now instead of self-publishing, because the argument is pretty much, um, well, I'm not the only person doing all the work. Um, sure. But when you're a sole proprietor of a business, you're not the only person doing all the work either. You're hiring things out just like you do when you're a self-publisher or independent publisher. Uh, so indie publishers um, That is the idea is that they're going to do or hire out all the work. Getting your book published by a traditional publisher more or less has to do with you sending your book in and them doing the vast lion's share of all the work. Okay, now, um, and also if you do both, that's called hybrid publishing. I forget. It's right on the tip of my tongue who was the first person to come up with that term. But yeah, it's pretty much called hybrid publishing now if you've self-published some of your books and traditionally published one or more books. Okay. Now, mostly in general that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the position of mostly and in general. So mostly and in general, traditional publishing companies don't often uh, accept unsolicited manuscripts from authors who don't have agents. There's a lot of reasons for this. One is it's much easier to um, narrow down the group of possible manuscripts that they might be interested in reading and publishing if we can at least get rid of all of the people that even agents didn't think that their books were ready for publication yet. So in a way, it's a way that the traditional publishers can um, keep their stack of potential authors and books um, smaller and probably, uh, in a general sense, uh, probably a higher quality. that just means that somebody else has looked it over and now it's on to the next stage. So uh, that is the first part that you need to know, is that if you're sending your work out to traditional publishers and not hearing things back, um, my first question is, did you read the website guidelines and make sure that they actually accept uh, your unsolicited manuscript or your query? Um, many will do it occasionally. So for instance I've been talking to you about Hallmark Publishing which is a relatively new company so they um, don't have a long list of authors that they're working with or a really long list of books that they have in the pipeline getting ready to publish. Of course they have some but a new company needs to um, open its doors and arms to new authors uh, occasionally and so they have had occasional open periods. So for instance, um, the month of February 2019, which is just around the corner, it's tomorrow. (laughs) Hallmark Publishing is taking unsolicited manuscripts from authors who do not have agents. So um, anybody can send them a full manuscript along with the synopsis and follow all the directions that are on the uh, guidelines page on their website. Um, I know that Tor has done this before. They uh, publish fantasy fiction. And other publishing companies have occasionally too. Other companies will get involved instead in being um, like one or more of the editors will offer to be the final judge in a writing contest, and that way they're only seeing the cream of the crop that came through the writing contest, and they can personally decide whether or not they want to ask to see the full manuscript of this or that book that they, you know, read the first few chapters, and they were like, wow, this is a really good book and a really good writer. I want to read the rest of it. And also other ways, let's see, um, meeting editors at conferences. Uh, I've probably talked about that on a past podcast. Um, So there are some ways that you can um, find an editor who will... Agree to read at least a portion of your work if you don't have an agent, but um, this is not a terribly common practice. So keep that in mind that you want to make sure that you're checking um, the guidelines on the website for any publisher that you're considering. Okay, now how long does it take to hear back? So you have read the guidelines for the publisher or publishers that you're considering and um, and you know when you can send them something and how it works, how long will it take to hear back? Well, <laughs> in this electronic age, you would think that it would be very easy to get a simple yes or no reply by email, even just Thanks, we've received your manuscript, we are not interested at this time, period. That's one sentence. I guess it's two sentences if you don't use a semicolon. (laughs) Um, And yet, there are several, many uh, agents and publishing houses who, as part of their guidelines, say, if you do not hear back from us, take that as a no. there are a lot of um, mixed ways to look at that particular uh, policy. Um, one is that they get so much that now they can spend more time working on the work that they are genuinely interested in. Um, on the other hand, just saying that uh, my husband had an offer to um, send his work to an agent and he did, and he didn't hear back, and the Guidelines on that website, thankfully, said something like 13 weeks or six months or something like that. And so after the allotted amount of time, he gave it another week or two just to make sure that she wasn't like right in the middle of replying. And he sent her an email saying, you know, I still haven't heard back from you. It's been this much, you know, time and your website says this, you know, it was a very polite email. And she wrote back saying, I have no record of receiving your email and your submission. So he had to send it in again and wait for another, whatever it was, three months or six months or whatever, uh, to get a reply, which ended up being a uh, no, not at this time. Um, But see, that is kind of one of the issues with uh, having the policy be if you don't hear from us, the answer is no, because what if it just got lost? Well, you and they will never know. So I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Or you could, you know email them and see whether or not they'll reply. It's always hard to say. It just depends on how busy people are, uh, how much they're adhering to the uh, guidelines and rules and stuff that they've established for their own company. So, But just so that you know, I mean, it really does vary. I heard back from somebody who requested to see my book at a conference uh, 12 or 13 months after I sent it. So that was much longer than I anticipated uh, having to wait. Um, And there was a certain amount of, well, thanks. By now, I sort of figured out you probably aren't interested. Um, Let's see. When you do get an email, this is one of um, my friend's other questions because her dad did get an email saying, we'd like to read the rest of your book. He sent them a chapter or so, and apparently they were interested enough that they wanted to read the whole thing. And I told her, normally this is a great cause for celebration, so just so you know, That is normally a great email to get. You're very excited that somebody is interested enough. They want to read the whole thing. That's one big step closer to the possibility that this company may want to publish your book. Now, um, she was not so sure whether or not her dad should be concerned with the fact that he has this intellectual property that, um, you know, could very easily be uh, duplicated and turned into the exact same book with someone else's name. And, you know, but these sorts of things, they, they don't really happen. They don't happen at publishing companies. They may happen in um, other, uh, you know, semi-criminal little pockets of it's not a real publishing house is not interested in stealing your book they they just don't have time uh it's much easier for them to just uh do everything by the the legal rules that uh that publishing houses use which is they pay you (laughs) and there's a contract between you so that both of you know exactly what's happening so if somebody asks for um more or all of the rest of your book, this is a very good sign. It does not necessarily mean that they are going to offer to buy it, but it's definitely the step that you needed in the right direction. So definitely, yes, if they ask for it, send it in and send it in the way that they ask for it. If they ask for it as a Word doc or as an RTF file or a PDF file, send it in the way that they ask because um, whatever their system is, Um, You want to make it easy to work within their system. Now, (laughs) once you get to the even happier place where they're like, we really love your book and we want to publish it. Yay, that's pretty much the the crown height, right? (laughs) Of what you could possibly be wanting. Um, and yet, there's still more <laughs> that you need to understand about the process. So, for instance, a different friend of mine, um, her first book contract with a medium-sized uh, publishing house, one that was very well known and had a good reputation, she was doing, um, I think, two sets of revisions um, before and still had not gotten a final signed contract. Um, She had asked to make some changes and they were making those changes. And then, you know, however it worked, It was taking a really long time. But in the meantime, like the legal department is doing their thing at their speed, but the editorial department was doing their thing at their speed, which was a bit faster. So there was a point at which my friend was getting quite concerned about how much work she was doing for a company that hadn't actually made a legal agreement with her to publish her book. And that's totally understandable, but also keep in mind that most people in the publishing industry will again say that publishing houses do not have time to waste. Um, nobody gets paid on work that is done on a book that they never buy and never publish. So don't worry too much. I mean, definitely you want to stay on top of things. You want to know, you know, when can I expect you know to hear back and how long will this process take and that sort of thing. And you want to know what's expected of you and what you are entitled to expect from them. But don't be surprised if the process takes longer than you think it should. And don't be surprised if you're doing edits on a book that you haven't actually signed the contract for yet. It does happen. Um, And they'll get it to you. Um, This is, however, a strong reason that I would encourage you to consider at least trying to find an agent as well, because agents make the whole process smoother, um, often easier, often quicker. They can definitely, though, tell you what's normal, what's not, go to bat for you if there's anything that is a reason to be bothered um, so that it's not always you. You definitely don't want to get into an adversarial relationship with your editor over things that may or may not, depending on the size of the company, be even under the editor's control. Um, You and the editor want to have the most amicable, friendly, upbeat, confident relationship possible because the two of you are working on this creative project together and so, you want to um, you want to keep any kind of animosity out of that project, uh, but the legal portion sometimes you know you not like animosity is a good thing, but uh, sometimes the way of handling the situation does need to be tougher, and it's nice if it can be somebody else being the tough guy for you, an agent instead of you. But if it has to be you, then you just need to figure out how you're going to handle it in a way that doesn't. Um, do any damage to your editor-author relationship. Now this may seem like a lack of structure. (laughs) It may seem like everything's sort of wibbly-wobbly in the air and sometimes it really does feel that way. Sometimes it really does seem that way and very occasionally it really I think is a little wibbly-wobbly. But the longer a publishing house has been around, the more of this work that they've done. And they do a lot of it, even if a publishing house is publishing, you know, 20 books a year. On the one hand, not a humongous number, but 20 times they did this last year and 20 times the year before. So, um, and you know, and, and unless you're, their January 1st author. They've probably done it a few more times before your turn this year also. So they've got experience, they know what they're doing. Now, I say they know what they're doing. I'm talking about a traditional publishing house that has been around for more than a minute and a half. So of course, one of the other things that I would strongly recommend, and in fact, it's it's the first thing that I would recommend is that you want to ask a lot of questions. I think that's the first, last and best defense for um, really most things in life possibly, (laughs) it's definitely going to help you here. You want to know about the publishing house before you submit to them? That would be very helpful. It would be great if you could find out um, how to ask a couple questions of other authors who are currently working with that publishing house. Uh, Maybe you can join a Facebook group or see what authors are uh, posted as being you know, authors we publish on the publishing house site and see whether or not if you send uh, any of them an email through their website or something like that. If you can get any replies back and then you want to be sure, of course, not to take a lot of time, but just, just in general be saying, listen, I'm thinking about, you know, submitting to this company. I see that you're working with them. What do you think? Uh, and you could leave it an open ended question or you can ask one or two very specific questions that had to do with concerns that you had. But remember, um, You're asking somebody that you don't know to do you a favor that will take them time. So try to be succinct, and um, that's why I like the open-ended question of, I'm thinking about uh, submitting to this company, I see that you're working with them, what do you think? Uh, Because if somebody is not happy, they will in some way, blatantly or in a roundabout way, warn you to rethink (laughs) your options. And if they're really happy, they're gonna tell you they're really happy. Um, but you definitely don't want to get into a situation where now you're also irritating other authors <laughs> that, um, you know, really don't owe you anything and um, are out of the very kindness of their heart answering your email question. So um, find wherever you can find authors who can answer any kind of traditional publishing question because even though you have a question that may be specific to this one company or that other company, um, they may be questions that a lot of traditionally published authors can give you some advice on. Uh, There are a lot of groups on Facebook and Twitter There are probably quite a lot of ways that you can find some people to ask questions of, some authors, um, just using uh, the social media accounts. So I would definitely uh, do that. Try to do it before you sign anything um, and be uh, aware that these are other people's opinions uh, based on their experiences, but that doesn't mean that their experience will be your experience. So... You know, you want to just kind of hold all this information a little bit loosely, okay? Now, uh, another thing that you want to keep in mind is that money in publishing should flow to an author, not not flowing out of their wallet. <laughs> okay, this is something that I've heard for years and years. Uh, probably at least since the 1990s when I first got started. Money flows to an author, so. If a company calls itself a publishing house and tells you that it'll cost this much money for them to publish your book, they're not a publishing house per se. They might be some sort of author services company where they're saying for $4,000, we will take your book, format it, edit it. Who knows exactly what that may mean if, um, if it's the kind of company that I'm talking about. Uh, put a cover on it and you know upload it to Amazon or something like that. Um, that is not normally a good deal for most people. I'm just going to say it like that. I'm not going to say it's an across-the-board absolutely wrong choice for every single person, but mostly that is not a good option for you. Uh, When it comes down to it, if you are going to go in the direction where you're going to have to pay to get your book published, then I would strongly urge you to just do the self-publishing thing and hire out all the little tasks. It will cost you less generally than uh, some of these companies that are charging you a lot of money. Okay, so if anybody at a publishing company asks you to pay for anything, think twice and then think again. Do more research. Make sure that you really feel like this is the right company and the right choice and the right monetary decision. I would strongly urge you to consider that it it may well not be, (laughs) but uh, at least think about it. Now, the reason why I would say that it's not necessarily really a publishing company, if they're charging you for doing all these things, is that The way that a publishing house makes money is um, they spend their own money on uh, paying the editor, paying the cover designer, paying the book formatter, et cetera. And then when the books are sold, they are only paying you somewhere between five and maybe 25% of the, uh, I'm just going to say, of the price of the book, even though even that calculation is a little bit more math than... It's not quite as simple as it sounds, but the reason why you're only getting between 5 and 25% as a royalty is because all the rest of the money from all of the book sales go to reimburse um, all the expenses that the publishing house has already paid for because you, the author, did not have to pay them for anything, to do anything. Does this make sense? Okay, so you're not the person paying for it. The publishing house pays for it. Therefore, the publishing house gets to keep most of the money. When you self-publish your book, you are responsible for either doing or hiring other people to do all the work. And therefore, you get to keep all the money. <laughs> Make sense? So that's how they get paid. You should not be paying them. Uh, I feel like uh, I, it's just such a it's such a problem in my mind that I feel so bad when I hear that somebody has already paid a ton of money to have stuff done that in the end did not really get them anywhere except for yeah less money in their pocket so let's just say money out of the author's pocket to a company that calls itself a traditional publisher let's just call that a red flag so do do more research (laughs) all right now um there is a lot of research that you can do to make sure that you're submitting to companies that are real publishing houses. They're above board. They have good practices. Um, Keep in mind that not every author at a publishing house is going to be happy, just like not every employee at a company is going to be happy. Uh, I know people who have worked at, let's see, let me say for sure, I'm almost 100% sure that I know people who have worked at both Google and Yahoo and uh, I think Microsoft, so some of the biggest companies in the world, and um, some of them have been thrilled to pieces. They love the company they work for. Other people have said really horrible things about the company they work for, the same one that somebody else is really, really happy with. So keep in mind, that's a normal part of, of doing research on any company. So when you're asking um, other authors are they happy, you need to keep that in mind. Some people have not had anything bad happen, so They are happy. Some people haven't had anything bad happen and they aren't happy. (laughs) And some people have had some bad things happen and they're like, okay, it it was very, um, it made me unhappy that this happened, but I was satisfied with the way that the publishing house handled the situation. Something like that really says a lot for, for a company, regardless of who they are, right? So keep in mind the kind of information that you're gathering and from whom. Um, see what you can find out when you, let's say it's ABC Publishing House, what happens when you Google or do a search for ABC Publishing House reviews. See whether or not you can find some articles, blogs, you know, anything written up by somebody who is uh, explaining a little bit more of how the publisher is working with their authors. Keeping in mind, again, sometimes you will find a rant online of some author who is really angry and wants the entire world to know about it. Um, One rant does not mean that the publishing house is a bad company. A whole bunch of angry authors definitely is another red flag that says, look further before you make up your mind if this is a company you want to submit to and or... Maybe you're willing to at least go so far as to submit, but before you actually sign a contract, you want to do more research. However you prefer to do it, whatever order that you like to do things. I've actually done research on publishing houses before I've submitted so that I'm not wasting my time later going, okay, great. Now I'm in the position of maybe, you know, we've gotten to the point of now they've asked for the full manuscript and they they may not offer me a contract, but now I have to decide like, would I really want to work with this company? So I got in the habit of starting to do my research before I submitted. So that's another thing that you could do. Uh, and then after all the research and you've submitted and you get an offer, yay, celebrate. This is like the wonderful thing that you want to happen. You've submitted your book to a publishing house and they've made you an offer to purchase it and publish it. Woohoo! Now, when you're done celebrating, which you should, know that the next part of the process also can be quite frustrating, and that is quite normal. So for instance, it can be very normal for the contract and the first check to take what feels like forever, literally months, for them to be finalized. Um, when you hear stories about, you know, somebody uh, sold their book for, uh, you know, a million dollars, that's probably not going to happen to you. <laughs> it doesn't happen to very many people. Um, if, say they sold their book for $10,000. Um, they don't get a check for $10,000 when they, when they sign the contract. That's generally not how it works. Uh, the contract will spell out the terms of how you get paid, and a lot of it will have uh, to do with um, a portion upon signing the contract, another portion upon um, submitting the um, the how do I say it? The, the final draft but before it's um, finalized you know. so the, the first time that you're submitting the full manuscript you get another check um, and then when you submitted all the changes, all the edits and it's the final, final, final manuscript you get another check. So a lot of times the contracts are broken out so that you get a, a portion of the money all along the way. Uh, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, the contract can take a really long time to get completed the first check can take a long time to get to you as well and then uh, you don't actually get the entire amount at once that will get broken up into uh, different payments. Okay, now um, along the way, your editor, as I mentioned earlier, may already be working with you on the edits even though you don't actually have a contract yet and you haven't gotten any check yet. This can be quite normal, so try not to be worried about it, especially if you've already done all of your uh, research and you're like, no, I I know, this is just how it works and I already checked out this company and they're a good company. But one more pitch again to why having an agent can also be a great thing here. Uh, They may be able to get you a better contract. They may be able to get it done faster. They may be able to get you your money faster. Uh, They may be able to... Uh, encourage and and work with the publishing house to get you a second contract faster or maybe make your one book contract into a two book contract there's lots of things that they may be able to do now um, a good agent can be the best friend that you've ever had in your publishing life a bad agent a bad agent for you or a bad agent um, can make life worse. So you wanna do just as much um, researching and due diligence as you're searching for an agent as you do for a publishing house. Because um, both your editor and your agent will be partnering with you. And for the most part, nobody gets paid if there isn't a good book that gets put out and marketed and sold. that your agent gets a percentage of your income, you get a percentage of sales. Uh, The only person who may be getting paid in this scenario and not very much is the editor who's on salary and probably working a lot more hours (laughs) for not as much as you might think. Um, So try not to worry too much if you are working on your edits while you're waiting for all of the legal stuff to work. There are pros and cons. Some people uh, have worked with an intellectual property attorney because they either don't have an agent, don't want an agent or whatever, but they do want someone to look at the contract and help them, the author, to know whether or not um, this is good, should they change anything. There are also pros and cons to working with intellectual property attorneys. While they are probably quite good at their job, many of them don't actually work in the publishing industry with standard boilerplate contracts that are very normal f- across, you know, many publishing companies. Now, um any lawyers in the house? Does that make the contract a good to contract just because everybody is using the similar contract? No. <laughs> but um, you want to be careful that you aren't uh, getting advice from someone who is actually not that uh, familiar with the exact process that you're going through in the normal kind of contract in this particular area of intellectual property Uh, you don't want to get to a place where now you're in a um, adversarial relationship again with the publishing house because you're pressing for something that the attorney is saying this is terrible you should absolutely not sign it until they take this part out and they're like this is in every single contract in every single publishing house in the whole world or something like that so just keep these things in mind that sometimes you're going to get What sounds like good advice, even my advice, (laughs) I'm not saying as if I'm better than someone else, I'm just saying that right this second, you're listening to me and some of my advice might not be the best advice for you. Um, Also, uh, I'm recording this in January 2019, but uh, I don't know when you're listening to it. So maybe things have already changed You know, some amount of time down the road and some of this advice is no longer good advice. But if you're looking into things and asking questions of other authors who are working with these agents or these publishing houses, this will get you so much more information. It will at least help you to sleep better at night and to have a a pretty good feeling about the direction that you're going. And you know what? Life is short. If you sign a bad contract, well, crap, that sucks move on <laughs> write another book and uh, you know pick a different publisher and you know it's it's really not the end of the world it'll feel like it for a little while of course but it's not um, this is pretty much just my brief overview of things that I was trying to help my friend with when she was saying how do I make sure that my dad's not being taken advantage of so most of it focused on time and money. Those are, you know, two of the big things that we're trying to balance when we're making business decisions. Well, so Lots of decisions in my life have to do with time and money, even if they're not about business. So I hope that it gave you at least um, some ideas of the right questions to ask, the right things to do searches on, um, some ideas on who else you can ask questions about that will be more specific and give more specific answers in your particular situation. Um, Just keep on remembering that... um, In general, you shouldn't be paying somebody else to do something when it comes to signing a contract with a traditional publisher. In self-publishing, you you pay for everything yourself. Uh, But in traditional publishing, you don't pay a publishing house to edit your book or to put a cover on it or anything. That's that's just part of what they do. Um, Always do research and um, at some point, choose a path. And then just tell yourself, I'm choosing to be happy with this particular choice right now, and if it doesn't go well, I'll have learned a lot for the next time that I am at uh, this particular fork in the road, and I'll make a different choice. But right now, I choose to be happy and choose not to be worried about future things that I couldn't possibly anticipate, because now I've done all the research I could possibly do. That, I hope, will help you to sleep better. Now, uh, I have a ton more uh, fantastic interviews lined up over the next few weeks. I mean, I have enough interviews lined up over the next few weeks now that the uh, Christmas and holiday and vacation season is pretty much behind us for a while, that uh, I've, I've got people scheduled out into April already, which is very exciting. Um, one of the uh, interviews coming up will be with a forensics expert, and we'll be talking about dead bodies and things to write in your fiction and, and that whole Realm. Uh, we'll be talking to an audiobook narrator. We'll be talking to um, a university professor who has been um, both writing Hollywood films, uh, animated films, and uh, teaching in the university system. Uh, he's been in theater. Anyway, he is finally writing a book and putting some of his knowledge into an easy-to-digest form for you and me. I'm sure, positive, because I know him, that it's going to be a great book, and I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about that. Um, we've got some more authors coming up with all kinds of different genres and they're going to be giving advice on um, you know how they did their process so that you have more ideas on how you can do your process. So keep on listening. 2019 is going to be a great year for the podcast and I really think it's going to be a great year for you and I. So happy writing. Go get some work done and I'll talk to you more next week.